0: in America, we like to complain about so-called systemic oppression. We don't have systemic oppression. Countries like Kenya have systemic oppression.
1: Allison Williams, her work in the university sorority system and her recent trip to Africa, one year after we first spoke with her. Here we go. Good morning, my friends, and welcome to yet another incredible installment. From very high above all other puerile and insipid forms of Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the big horns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. Good morning, my friends, and welcome to the program. We have yet another representative who has said something so incredibly stupid that it is worthy of our counting. I know. I've missed it, too. By the way, it has been 915 days since Landon Brown agreed to come on Cowboy State Politics and then didn't show up. Not only did he deprive each and every one of us of the immense pleasure we would have derived out of listening to me easily fend off all of his inane arguments, he saddled us with the enormous burden of counting each and every single day since his monumental failure. And so we had to remind him all the time. But that got sort of boring after a while. Somewhere around day 582 or thereabouts. So I pretty much gave up on it. But now, my friends, one of his red-coat compatriots has gone and done something equally as short-sighted. Allow me to quote it for you. From the Cow Pie, in an op-ed written by drag show donating representative Clark Stith, entitled Person to Person, Not Bot to Bot. Now, just a little background here. He was partially responding to an op-ed written by yours truly and published on the Cow Pie, Criticizing Representative Barry Crago for his numerous distortions of anything that even remotely resembles the truth, he called me an amateur and then said I only called Barry Crago a bunch of names. Yeah, as if anyone actually believes that, Clark. Anyway, he ended his dumb op-ed in saying, And I quote, I'm no Luddite, but I hope we can continue to debate civilly person to person rather than bot to bot. And quote. I, of course, immediately took this as a challenge to a debate. And so, at the end of my response to his ridiculous letter, which is published on CowboyStatePolitics.com and on the Wyoming News Chronicle and on Facebook and on Twitter and a whole bunch of other places so Clark Stith's constituents can be sure to read it, I ended it thusly. <clears throat> you say that you want to debate person to person fine let's do that you are welcome on my program anytime you like just remember i deal in facts things that your rhino caucus seem to struggle with but of course why would you i'm just an amateur with a very loud microphone end quote the gauntlet has been thrown down and i picked it up anytime you're ready clark maybe you're worried about me confronting you with your donation to drag for a cause You remember those guys, don't you? They're the ones that set up drag shows and then invite numerous children to them to watch them prance around in women's lingerie. Anyhow, it's been three days since I personally sent Representative Clark Stith a copy of my response, the one that's posted on CowboyStatePolitics.com, accepting his debate challenge. Let me know when you'd like to set that up, Clark. I'll be waiting. Okay, on with the program. Today, we're gonna do something a little bit different. It's been one year since we visited with Allison Williams. Allison is the young Buffalo resident that recently graduated from Pepperdine University. She took a job with a group called InterVarsity. It's basically a ministry group that works with fraternity and sorority members at colleges and universities. At last we spoke with her, Allison was getting ready to go to Louisiana State University to start her new job. Since then, Allison has completed one semester and just got back from a ministry trip to Africa. Considering what's been happening at the University of Wyoming, where a sorority admitted a man into their ranks, resulting in six sorority women suing the sorority, and a whole bunch of really salacious details being made public, our conversation could not be more timely. Before we go to the break... Here's just a little piece of what she had to say.
0: Most young women end up dropping out of school, and they drop out as young as 11 or 12 years old, and it's because of pregnancy.
1: Whoa. We'll get to the rest of what Allison had to say after a word from our sponsors. We'll get back to the program in just a second, but first an absolutely obscene profit timeout. Today's program is brought to you by Gunrunner Auctions. They are one of the nation's leading online firearm auction houses, and they're celebrating their 25th year. Scott Weber, the owner, specializes in estate auctions. The first thing he does is he travels to the estate and appraises the firearms for the heirs. He then takes them to his Cody auction facility where he and his team research them, sometimes getting factory letters from the Cody Museum about each firearm's history. Every month, beginning on the 7th, Scott and his team post 500 fine firearms for sale. All of the auctions start at 20 bucks, and there's no reserve. And they only charge 15% for selling your precious firearms. You're not going to find a better selection of rare and hard-to-find firearms than at Gunrunner Auctions. They also have a wide selection of hard-to-find ammunition and accessories. So it doesn't really matter what type of firearm thing you're looking for. Gunrunner Auctions probably has it. So go to their website thegunrunner.com, and find the firearm that you didn't even know that you were looking for. It's finally starting to dry up, and you're probably thinking about what you're going to do with all of those fun summertime toys once the snow starts flying. Nick and Jesse at Morton Buildings are the two guys that you need to talk to. They are the experts in metal building construction, It doesn't really matter if you're thinking about a garage or a barn or maybe a roping arena. You know, it is rodeo time, and it'd be nice to be able to practice that rodeo stuff in the middle of winter. But it doesn't matter what type of building you're thinking about. Give Nick and Jesse a call. Their phone number is 307-674-2532. Tell them what you've got in mind, and they'll handle all the details. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. While you're attending all the fun summertime rodeo events, you need something to keep the sun out of your eyes. New Trend Hats has a wide variety of hats for both men and women. They make those really cool hats with the ponytail hole on the back of them. So it doesn't matter what type of hat you're looking for. Go to the website, newtrendhats.com. And now, back to the program. One year ago, we spoke with Allison Williams, who was getting ready to start a new job with a group called InterVarsity. They minister to fraternity and sorority students at colleges and universities. She's just returned from a mission trip to Africa, Kenya to be precise. I had her weigh in on the sorority controversy at the University of Wyoming. It's a fascinating discussion, and I know you're gonna like it. Here it is. Last year, we spoke with Allison Williams, At that time, Allison was getting ready to go to Louisiana State University to start her ministry in college fraternities, or sororities, excuse me. I got that wrong the last time. So welcome back to the program, Allison.
0: Thank you. Good to be back.
1: Where I'd like to begin is, why don't you just tell us a little bit about what you do at LSO, and then we'll talk about your mission trip you just got back from.
0: Yeah, great. So my job, so just like David said, I work with students in Greek life down at LSU. So it is actually fraternities and sororities. So I work with students. And my main job is to disciple these students, to spread the word of God on campus, and to help these students find the balance of being in Greek life and growing in their faith and their relationship with the Lord.
1: Okay. Well, I guess first question is... I asked you in our last interview what you thought things were going to be like. So now I'll ask you the same question. Was it what you thought it would be?
0: Somewhat yes and somewhat no. I think it's been easier than I thought it would be in some ways and harder than I thought it would be in others. So... I definitely have done much more discipleship of students than I had earlier anticipated before doing the job. So that means meeting with students once a week and um, teaching them. Well, we go through scripture together and then we talk just about life and I help them make decisions in their life and their relationship with the Lord. Like I said, we study scripture together. So it's much more, it's much heavier on the discipleship side than I thought it would be last summer.
1: Okay, so you said easier in some harder than others. In what ways was it easier than what you thought it would be?
0: I guess the students trusted me a lot more than I thought they would, which was a very, very nice surprise. And so it made the job easier just in the sense of I didn't, you know, I didn't have to have a lot of tough conversations with students that caught them off guard. Um, they trusted me, yeah, just to tell me about their lives, to be open and honest with me. So that makes the job easier because then I don't have to go digging around for things that are going on.
1: Okay. So you just a, finished the spring semester and you're going back mm-hmm. for the, the fall semester. When, yep. when do you do that?
0: So I actually leave this week to go back to Louisiana to start prep for the fall semester, their semester starts around mid-August, so I have to do a lot of planning right now for what the semester is going to look like.
1: Okay. Now, as you might might have heard, we have some issues going on with a sorority at the University of Wyoming. I'm sure all of my listeners are well aware of what's going on down there, but uh, one of the sororities admitted a man into the sorority, and now um, a half a dozen or so. Um, women in the sorority are suing the sorority to have him removed and for a whole bunch of other things. So I guess just generally, what are your thoughts on what's going on down
0: there? Yeah, great question. So I think it's very telling to just the state of our country right now and the state of particularly the Western world. Um, I think You don't have to look much farther than what's happening at the University of Wyoming in this sorority to figure out what's going on in our culture. And to me, as a woman who was in a sorority and now working with women in sororities for my job and trying to teach them how to be better followers of Jesus, better Christians, and what that means not just for their lives but for the circles that they run in on campuses to me it's awful and it's despicable and it's 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 heartbreaking because sororities were founded to be places for women on college campuses and to cuz when sororities were founded, this was a time where really only men were in the university system. Very few women were going to school. And so women came together and they formed spaces for them to have the university experience together and to rely on one another to form community, you know, et cetera. I could go on and on about why sororities were founded. But first and foremost, it is a sacred space for women on college campuses, and the fact that this sorority has let in a man purely based on claims that he says he's a woman is horrible, and it completely undermines the purpose of sororities and yeah, I think it, it reminds me a lot of what happened a few years ago at Harvard. I don't know if people remember, but Harvard University tried to basically pass like a, a statement or try to get rid of same sex clubs on campus because they felt that they were discriminatory against people who identified um, and Essentially, this case was struck down because um, it was found to violate Title IX, which ensures that there are spaces, if there are spaces for men on campus, there should be spaces for women and those spaces are protected and they're totally legal, they're totally allowed to have spaces purely for one sex or another. And so it was a huge victory um, that That was struck down by harvard but it was actually greek life that was going after this case at harvard they were the ones going after harvard saying this isn't right our organizations were formed purely based on trying to create spaces for men and create spaces for women and so because of what happened a few years ago you know i'm hopeful that these women who are going against their national organization for letting this man in, I'm hopeful that they will be successful um, and be able to remove this man from the sorority. But obviously, things have also changed a lot in the last few years. But we'll I don't see. know if
1: this guy, I don't know if you looked up a picture of him or, but he's 6'2, 260. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he just claimed that he was a woman and the University of Wyoming kind of made him sort of a celebrity. And so, I mean, I don't know if the sorority felt pressured by the university to let him in. I kind of tend to think it was more of a woke thing. And we'll just let him in. Everybody thinks that men can become women anyway, and nobody's going to say anything about it. But the truth is that there were six women, and I think they were pretty brave. One, to do it at all at any university, but second, to do it at the University of Wyoming which I've covered on Cowboy State Politics a lot, that the university is very much involved in the LGBTQ agenda, woke culture, you name it, it's down there. And so, you know, it's a difficult situation because, you know, here you have a bunch of college students who are allegedly inclusive and they're being forced to be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know exactly how it's going to pan out, but I'm glad I could get your thoughts on it. So let's talk about Africa. You just got back from Kenya. How was did, that?
0: It was incredible. Yeah, it was It was wonderful. Um, we were there for six weeks. So this is a trip that my organization runs every year, and they've run it for the last 40 years. Um, aside from the past two or three years because of COVID, this was the first year we took a team back to Kenya but it's, it's a staple in intervarsity. And the way it works is we have a team that comes over from America and we meet up with the intervarsity sister movement in Kenya called FOCUS. And so we had a team of about 15 Americans, give or take, some students, some staff like myself. And we met up with four Kenyan university students and one of their staff members. And for the six weeks, we, the whole point of the program was to cross cultures and spread the gospel in Kenya and recognizing that, you know, in six weeks, there's there's some progress that we can make, but, you know, just being faithful to go do the things that we can do and letting God and the experience also transform us. I think that's, that's the biggest part of the program is that we would come back to America and the Kenyan students would go back to their campuses, transformed in some way to then bring transformation to our communities. If
1: you could pick one thing that was most impactful about your trip, what would you say that that was?
0: I would say seeing and being confronted with the brokenness of the world in a way that we're not in America And in America, we like to complain about so-called systemic oppression. We don't have systemic oppression. Countries like Kenya have systemic oppression. For example, we one day toured a slum in Nairobi, not even the biggest slum. I think the second or third largest slum in just Nairobi, just one city. And they estimate that in three square miles, that there are 600 thousand people living and these are people who have no way out they barely have they survive on you know essentially one or two dollars a week um so they barely have enough money to buy food there's alcohol addiction drug addiction prostitution and the, the most heartbreaking thing that we saw were the kids you saw kids with bottles of glue, like super glue, not just like Elmer's stick glue, but super glue taped to their bottom lip so that they could keep a constant flow of sniffing glue. And they did that because it numbs hunger, pains, and it helps them mentally check out from the things that they're experiencing. And so... You know, we saw that in the slum. But for two and a half weeks, we were outside of Nairobi, all over the country, living with Kenyan families and pastors. And we also saw extreme poverty in those areas, too. It was rural poverty versus urban poverty. But, you know, the same thing. Those people, some of those kids maybe have one meal a day of rice and beans. Um, They wear oversized T-shirts as their entire outfit because their parents can't afford to keep buying them clothes. So they just buy them one big t-shirt. And when they grow out of that, you know, they'll buy something else for them. But yeah, I think seeing, seeing true brokenness, not just of people, but of systems.
1: Based on your experience, is there anybody poor in America?
0: (laughs) Not like that. Not like that. I think in America, the closest thing we have to that level of poverty is Skid Row in Los Angeles, which for those of you who don't know or aren't familiar with Skid Row, it's like two or three blocks, maybe, that might be exaggerating it, of homeless people who, for the most part, are drug addicts, severe drug addicts. So, but other than that, no, because even poor people here, And we would tell this to people that we met in Kenya and they couldn't believe it when we said this. But, you know, poor people in America, they own cars, they own phones, they have access. They always have access to food and clean water, whether it's by way of food stamps or just barely having enough money to scrape together to go buy McDonald's or something to get them by.
1: That's the amazing thing. Because here, we think of being broke as maybe you can afford the $3 cheeseburger off the dollar menu at McDonald's. and But we still have shoes on our feet, and more than likely, we still have a phone. But that, that wanes in comparison to having $3 a week, mm-hmm. or two weeks, mm-hmm. or not having any money at all. I just think that there, that in America, it's hard for us to conceptualize uh, what life is like in other parts of the world, you know, yeah. really, truly poor places.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and something else that we saw a lot of, so not only this poverty, but polygamy is also very rampant in some parts of Kenya still. In fact, the family that I lived with, the tribe that we were going and ministering to, they're called the Maasai people. And they are still largely polygamous. And it's not only that, but part of, you know, that was troubling enough to see. But what really broke my heart was seeing and hearing about the stories of the women. So part of what keeps this cycle of poverty going in Kenya, particularly in these kinds of tribes, is that the school dropout rate is extremely high. I can't remember the statistic that they told us, but it's most young women end up dropping out of school and they drop out as young as 11 or 12 years old. And it's because of pregnancy. Wow. So they get pregnant and then their families can't afford to keep them in school because now they have another mouth to feed. And obviously a mother can't just live life the way that she did before a child because you have a child to take care of. And so the family will do what's really in their best interest, some would say, and they marry the girl off to really the first man who would come across willing to take this, this girl. And a lot of times they become second or third wives. And then by the age of 18 or 19, they have three kids. And, it's amazing yeah and no education and so education is your ticket out no. of poverty and they don't they don't have that
1: just I mean for me it's just again well, not just for me for probably for everybody it's difficult to imagine life like that. yeah you were down there for six weeks mm-hmm. this might be a strange question, but what was your favorite part I mean would you just finish telling us about slums and how terrible it is so what was your favorite part? out
0: of it my favorite part was experiencing the good sides of kenyan culture like any culture like any country there's good and there's bad obviously we were confronted with a lot of the bad like i just talked about but what i loved so getting to know the kenyan students getting to know my host family for the two and a half weeks that we were out um They're just wonderful people. And they're just, especially the Christians, they're just joyful people. And their culture is a very, very relational culture. So they don't really care that much about time like we do. For example, you'll say that church starts at 10 a.m., but it doesn't actually start until like noon. And then you're there all day because when the service starts, it just goes until people feel it's complete so that's another thing that I really I loved getting a break from because in America we're we're pretty time oriented which you know neither one is right or wrong they're just different but it was nice to kind of have a break from that and to just live life going from one thing to the next as they naturally went into each other Um, and particularly the focus on relationship because of that.
1: Well, Allison, I appreciate you taking the time to visit with me again. We'll after your second semester, perhaps we'll do this again. Good luck going back to LSU.
0: Thank you, appreciate it.
1: That'll do it for today's installment of the program. We'll get back to the politics on tomorrow's live episode, which begins at 10 a.m. You can find the link at CowboyStatePolitics.com or on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. But for now, from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming, I'm David Iverson and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics.